Welcome to Work It Out. I'm Mego. I'm Caitlin. And this is your fitness comedy podcast hosted by two people not trained in fitness. <laughs> we know nothing about fitness. We're just two comedians and Caitlin's a therapist. I'm not. And we're so excited because we have the OG podcaster galore on today. Um, We're super excited that she's here and we've been doing her program with her for the past week that we're going to talk about. Everybody give it up from Keith and the girl. Hamda. Hi, it's so good to be here. You guys are so warm and wonderful. Thank you for having me. How are you? Uh, doing, doing pretty well, you know. Are we allowed to ask how are you during these times? Is that, <laughs> it's a, uh, it comes with a caveat now, right? Yeah. yeah well, we are shitty. We're all shitty. That's the caveat. <laughs> <laughs> like we're all doing terribly. That's the positive of it. We are all doing this. So, you know, the, the line is equal now. Ish. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. I try to focus just on the idea that people are asking and that it's coming from a genuine place. So I'll usually say, oh, thank thank you for asking. You know, even if I don't answer the question. <laughs> it's good to be asked. Thank you. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's good to be asked. Or yeah, or usually often it's like, you know, when I'm working with clients, that'll be like a little introduction. And it, you know, I'll always have to say, you know, I am doing okay today. Cause if I'm able to work or see people like be on this podcast or, you know, just be interacting with a person, I'm I probably am doing okay. And I yeah, appreciate the asking. <laughs> We're all alive is what you're saying. So yes, thank you for asking. I'm alive. (laughs) Thank you for notice my breathing. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Okay. Anyway, moving on. So the thing that's so crazy about Hinda is that she is, (laughs) is that she's a comedian with this like famous podcast, but then you just decided to like start doing a fitness program, which is kind of like, I mean, that's so crazy. That's, that's if Caitlin and I just, well, we're not famous, but if Caitlin and I just decided to do a fitness program, that's like, I don't know. That's pretty, that's ambitious. Um, so I think we really want to hear about what, where you're coming from, like what your fitness history was like, like what was, what was fitness like for little Hamda, you know? <laughs> I've always been very, very active and antsy and energetic. Um, I was called the Energizer Bunny, you know, back in the day. And um, so I had that energy, but I also have that depressive energy. So I kind of flowed from completely one side to completely the other. And I was so comfortable in that. You know, I loved my depression. I loved my manic state. You know, mania is fantastic. Not, not that I have bipolar or manic depression per se, but I did feel those swings. And the mania is fantastic. I have a surge of energy. I start projects. I um, come up with ideas. I interact with people. I I start, I, I go, 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 and it's fantastic. And then I inevitably hit a crash and then everything's bad and um, nothing's going to get good. And I was wrong about all of that good stuff. And um, 
I, I, I was cool with it. I was fine with it. It was working for me. I was still considered a very positive person. I considered myself a very positive person, but about four years ago, I found out that I had a giant tumor um, between my heart and lungs, and it actually pushed my heart into my shoulder and squashed my lung so I can only use one of it. And I didn't even notice. I was biking like crazy. I was running. I was doing whatever I wanted. And then, you know, I couldn't breathe one day. I went to the emergency room, and they find a football-sized tumor. So I understood, like, you know, of course there was crying and, you know, I might die and like the whole thing, you know, that whole thing, um, (laughs) you know, everything you feel. Yeah. Life is over. Here we go. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was huge, but I, I knew that, uh, the depression was coming and this time I was very, very afraid that I wouldn't be able to come back and, and that I would, and if my life was ending, I would end on that depression note. And I, I, you know, no one's happy about that. So I actually asked myself, is there another way that I could deal with life? Is there a way that I could not get depressed? And, you know, in in my mind, the answer is no, but here was a time where I really had to give it a go. And for the first time in history, basically you can Google how to be happy. And I did that because I was really afraid to be that bad patient. You know, I get a toothache. I, you know, I ouchie my toe and I'm just like, it's all right. Everything's bad. Of course, I'm going to stub my toe. And I go into that thing. I'm like, well, if stubbing my toe gets me there, what is a football sized tumor going to get to me? You know? So I actually really did research. I Googled how to be happy. I started watching Ted talks. I went on a 10 day silent retreat. I, I did all of this stuff. And not just because of the tumor. I had to have open heart surgery. I had to take two months off of work. Everything was very, very scary. And then coming back from surgery, I found out that my husband was cheating on me. Um, I found um, I found him on Craigslist um, posting for uh, soliciting women. I found him interacting with women sexually. I, I never found like a physical evidence of him actually physically doing it, but look through his email as one does, because, you know, you just feel that something's up. Um, everything feels like it's not adding up. And I always feel, well, I don't feel guilty, but I was feeling guilty. Like who checks somebody's email? I don't think that I'm that person, but the way I see it is if you think somebody stole from you and they keep saying they didn't steal from you, eventually the police gets a warrant and they look for that stuff. That's my warrant. I don't know what to tell you. My heart was my warrant, and I decided that it's okay. And I looked through it, and I found, I found what um, I was hoping not to find, which is very interesting. I even looked at it, and it was correspondence. Like, obviously, you're not doing the right thing. And I was, as I was looking at it, what surprised me the most was I was trying to convince myself that I'm looking at it wrong. So I was saying to myself, no, this email maybe I'm misunderstanding these words and maybe, you know, maybe I'll look at another email and it'll negate this email. And, and then I thought like, what am I doing? What am I doing that I have to convince myself that life is one way when it's obviously smacking in the face the other way. So I continued my research because it's just, it was such a dark time. And I, I even said like open heart surgery and this tumor was a lot easier than this actual heartache. So it was a very dark time. And I actually didn't hit the bottom that I usually hit. And it was because of everything that I found out about, you know, through my research 
And I developed the program because everything in this program has helped me push through it. And because it was such a dark time, I couldn't take another step. This helped me just with the next step. And it turns out that's all I needed. What's the next step? Not the next 10 steps, not in a year. Like I have my year goal, but that's over there. What's the next step towards that? And all these exercises, even done one minute at a time, helped me push through to the next step. And then eventually to, even though it sounds corny, to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And now I'm in that light. And I just had to go through some darkness. And I'm really grateful. I don't think I hit as much of a mania anymore. I don't think I hit as much of a depression. And I didn't know that I can live that like that and be expressive and um, interesting and happy and and I, and I am. And the thing is, is happiness is not all I thrive to be. I thrive to be sad and go through that. I enjoy crying. You know, I still have that range of emotions that I'm so attached to, but I, I have a little more of a grip on it and that feels good. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Does that answer your question? <laughs> you, I mean, bless your heart, as we say in the South, you had a time. Oh my God. Well, nothing ever happens one at a time, right? Like you're never like, oh, this, you know, you know, somebody passes away, but your work is going great and your relationship is fantastic. It all just hits, 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 and it just keeps going. So listening to you, the thing that strikes me that's so powerful and so great about, I think who you are as a person, I can tell, but also just maybe, yeah, what you got from this program is like, you, you weren't even like negative about the, the bad things. You know what I mean? It was like, well, yeah, these things happened. These are the two worst things that everyone fears will happen. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so I was able to knock it to, you know, like, I think that in it, in and of itself, just like, it's so powerful and says so much about you and about, yeah. And about, I guess how this, you know, how these tools were able to really help you. It really was the tools because, you know, I I wasn't okay. I'm not going to say that I was okay, but at the same time, I was okay. It's like we're saying, you know, this is a pandemic. We're not okay, but we are, aren't we? You know, we're sitting here and we're laughing with each other. And as soon as you can laugh at something, it sort of takes the sting out. So even though this is a, a health and wellness program that I put together, Keith and the girl as a show really helped me. I got on, laughed about my tumor right away. It took the sting out. It, it helped, you know, with support. And, and it's just, I need to laugh at it because I want to die laughing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, like, I think that's such a good point because I also, yeah, I think humor is such a powerful force. I think it can be like such a powerful antidepressant. I'm curious, and I wonder what you think about this, Henda. I also feel there's a little bit of a sensibility in within comedians, right? That we're not allowed to be okay. You know what I mean? I think there's a little bit of a romanticizing of the manic depressiveness that you were talking about, which I can relate so much to, and, and I'll talk about later, but yeah, I'm curious, like, what was it like for you to really do this work of trying to find more balance within your life and sort of saying goodbye to the, to the manic part? 
Um, it was, it was a relief. It's so uncomfortable to do something different, but when you make the decision to do it, then that becomes the biggest discomfort is that adjustment. So instead of the work that comes after that usually is depicted as the difficult thing to do, it is the getting there. It's, it's the commute rather than the work. It's the, um, instead of sitting, I have to run it. So just getting your sneakers on is harder than the actual run because you forget that you like it. Like some couples, they stop having sex because they forget that they like it. So that awkwardness of starting to have sex, if you kind of force, you know, both consensual force, but (laughs) sort of bring that awkwardness to it, as soon as you pass that, the rest of it somehow is a little bit easier, even though that's the work. And, and also comedy is a forced different perspective. So you think that forced different perspective is coming out of your depression because it has an edge and a darkness to it. But it turns out if you force a different perspective, it doesn't matter if you're coming from depression mania or even or an even head. It's just forcing you to find a different perspective, which is why I think comedians maybe can handle some other stuff and can laugh at things because it's not that it takes it away like this isn't happening, although for some it is and they are nuts. But um, <laughs> it's more like, can I see this in a different way where it's funny? And then it can exist in both places, the tragic and the funny. And then I have those two perspectives to reach for. for. And I, and I admit that the, both those perspectives can exist. So I can toggle between them or go at the same time and sort of live my life because life always has this alternative perspective. And if it keeps piling on you, that work to find that other perspective becomes more of a, a weight. So it becomes more of a work to go to that joke. And I didn't want to lose that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's so true. It really hit me when you said, I felt like I wouldn't be, I, you know, felt like I wouldn't be interesting. Because, yeah, I think a lot of times, especially comedians are like, oh, we're so fraught. But, like, that's (laughs) what makes us so, we're so complex. And that's what makes us able to be funny and able to laugh at things. And it's like, no, you can, yeah, you can just choose not to be fraught. (laughs) I mean, I mean, clearly, like, you know, mental illness, you can't choose not to have mental illness. But, like, you can, you know, in your mindset, what you were saying, in in your every moment, you can choose to maybe be a bit more, a bit more positive about things. Yeah, you can, you can lose that idea that there is a choice and that, that becomes a problem because it, from what I've experienced and what I understand, the choice exists, but I don't want it because I'm already in this choice and to, to adjust to that other one would take the work. Even though like, hey, there's a rainbow on the other side, too bad it's already raining here and I'm wet and I don't want to, you know, but yeah, so that work is very difficult. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I can't get over the fact that all of this happened to you and you're still so positive, which like, <laughs> I know that we're talking about it. I know that you're saying why it's still just, I mean, I feel like I hope that people are listening. They're really taking to heart that if you make that choice and you take that road that you, yeah, there, well, you can go on, like you can and will always be able to go on no matter what. Um, I mean, I hate to, I hate to pile on, but in that time, while I was recovering from open heart, Trump got elected and I was like, okay, all right. (laughs) Wait, I was literally just thinking right before we came on, I was like, "Mm, 
everyone's like shitting on 2020. And then I'm like, yeah, but I feel like we've been doing that for like a while. And I was like, when was the last time we had a good year as like a world? (laughs) And it was, yeah, it was like 2015 was the last year that there was an okay year. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, that does pile on. I mean, but also, I mean, comedy of threes. (laughs) You got got three, three big things there. Um, But it's, yeah, it's, it is so true. I actually not, not as, um, uh, not as harsh of an experience I would say, but I, I went through something similar where I had, and I talked about this in the show a little bit where I had, um, an ovarian cyst that was like 38 centimeters, just like the size of a football in my ovary. And I had to get it taken out and they didn't you, like, they don't really know after it's removed. So I had a very similar experience of, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. Like that, that, oh, I could die feeling. And, uh, yeah, I agree that I think it was easier. Uh, it was easier to, there's no, there's like no other choice when you're faced with that. I think it's easier to lean in, lean into, I'm going to get through this. The other choice is literally just, okay, I'm just going to die. Okay, well, this is what it is. And we're going to, we're going to do this, you know, yeah, um, the uncertainty of it is like the worst part where, like you said, they don't even know if it's cancer until they, you get in there and you have to go, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll know later. Uh, you let me know. I'm going to go to sleep now for a little while, maybe take a bath and uh, fill me in later. I, that's all the information I can deal with now can take a little break. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate, and I'm interested to hear more about the research you were doing, because like you said, we're living in extraordinary times. We can literally Google how, how can you be happy when you were doing that sort of research for OMAP club or for the OMAP program, what was the most sort of like surprising thing you heard Sort of well, the, the stuff that maybe I would have called corny before everything, you know, the, the main, main, major, major thing that always came up is give gratitude. And I was like, okay, with your Oprah list of gratitude, like, you know, when Oprah came out with that, oh, is Oprah happy? Okay, thank you. That's some real life advice from you, Oprah. Okay, you're going to go pet your 50 dogs? Fantastic. Um, you know, you just kind of want to sit in that, you know, your life is better than mine, so of course you have something to be grateful for. And I was very resistant to it, but you come to such a place where you're just like, well, nothing I'm doing is working. So I'm going to give this a try sort of out of desperation. And I promised myself that the next time I wake up, because thank you for waking me up, the next time I do wake up, I'm going to interrupt my brain because according to the research, it says you actually can interrupt your brain. And I'm like, no, it just keeps going. It decides what it does, but I'm going to all right, if you say I can interrupt my brain, I will. So I woke up and the usual starts coming in another day. I got to do this. I didn't do this yesterday. I've got to make sure I write it on my list. Let me set a reminder. Got to take a shower. Got to brush my teeth. I got to make breakfast again. Like I have to make a decision about, ugh, everything is very annoying. And I, and I was like, ah, interrupted. And I'm like, no, because then there's this and no, interrupt it. And I interrupted it and I said, okay, one minute of gratitude. They said a gratitude list would work. And I started thinking about it and I felt my body calm down and I felt my brain have a little bit more access 
to me, like I had more access to it and I felt everything sort of lower and the anxiety just sort of come down. And I was like, whoa, that really worked. So if that really worked, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to keep that. And I started using it. Like the anxiety started racing, you know, oh my God, in five minutes, I have to start a show. Did I do this? Nope. Just one second. Let me just thank a couple of people and thank some things in my life. And cornily enough, it really did work. And I just kept going. Then it's like meditate. Who wants to meditate? How am I not wasting my time just sitting here? That was very, very difficult for me just to sit still and go like, so you're telling me instead of me, you know, writing a report or, you know, getting back to an email, this is going to help me. Okay, let's try it. Let's do it. And I just kind of kept saying, okay, let's try it your way. Let's try it this way. And it, it just started adding up. And it was very, take what you want and leave the rest. This is working for me. This is not working for me. I feel comfortable. I feel uncomfortable. Maybe on the discomfort started turning into comfort. So that kind of teaches you a lesson. I learned to be around people, to tell them what's happening, to tell the truth to myself instead of helping people gaslight me, you know, just so I can look for the positive. That's really scary that my brain can do that. And just having the control that is the only control that um, we can, which is not a lot. It's just the stuff running in my head. So I learned that um, if I tell a story in my head, then that's what my brain knows. It doesn't know the difference between what's actually happening in the story in my head. So let me start paying attention to the stories I say in my head, just stuff like that, just kind of putting that into an exercise of controlling what I have to control and not controlling other people, other places, other things, other other situations outside of myself. And it, it started working. Yeah. What's an example, if you can think to this, what's an example of a story that you used to tell yourself versus a story that you were able to actively reframe? Something like, um, I'm not an organized person. I'll never be an organized person. I will always be a mess. The dishes will always be piled up. There'll always be some kind of thing that I don't have. And, um, and it's not that that's not true. I don't like cleaning. I hate it. But I started thinking, well, maybe the dishes aren't a big deal because there's a thing like, if you don't know what to do, do the dishes. So I started doing that and all of a sudden the dishes were done. And, um, And I started thinking to myself, like, what if I just do a little bit, 15 minutes every day, does that turn you into the person? And it does. It's like all these organized people, all these people that you find perfect, they're just doing a little bit. They're just doing the discomfort. And I also needed help for that. So anything that I couldn't do, I couldn't figure out by myself, even though it was the adult thing to do. I don't want to be an adult. So anytime I said, I don't want to be an adult, I, I uh, practiced calling someone and saying, hey, can you help me be an adult on Thursday at five? Because I'm going to need some handholding and I'm going to feel uncomfortable and I possibly might cry through what I need to do. But can you just hold my hand through this on the phone? And you know, then you like talk to someone while you're cleaning and all of a sudden your place is clean. You know, It's not that big a deal. And it happened. And now I can find things and it's not perfect. And I'm not looking for perfect anymore. Progress, not perfection. And I I can sit in that where um, I don't need everything to be all aligned. That's not the story I want to tell myself either. Because as soon as I think everything needs to be perfect, I'm going to stop doing it. So this is this is good. 
and good is good. By the way, I'm pointing around because I'm in my closet. So I'm looking around and I'm like, no, this is good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm good at this. I was kind of thinking, I was like, okay, let's see. Is it organized? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just That's honestly, oh, thank you. <laughs> I can see I can see the, the um, sweater organizers, which I appreciate. Thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, honestly, like from having done the program for five days in a row, it's just like true mindfulness. Um, I was telling Caitlin that I think if I were in a place of crisis or like a true place of crisis, that if I like had this recorded or something that I think it would be like a helpful tool because I go to therapy. I'm not a therapist. Caitlin's a therapist, but I'm not, (laughs) but I go to therapy and I get tools like this, you know what I mean? And I do feel like if I had it recorded somehow, or like if I had a program that I could just be like, okay, I'm panicking right now. I need to stop and do these things, uh, that this would be, yeah, it's like you good job with your research. Yeah, <laughs> yay, thank you. <laughs> that this would be helpful. Um, wait, awesome. can you just list out because I don't really know if we actually did this, list out the the fifteen things that we do in the fifteen minutes. Okay, so um it, it's it's talking in between, so it's eight exercises in fifteen minutes, and it is gratitude, writing, meditation, yoga, plank procrastination, connect, aerobics, and I'm missing one, maybe. No, I think that's everything. Oh, wow. My math was really off. <laughs> I've, been doing, I've been doing this every day. <laughs> um, but okay, great. And then afterwards, you like, you kind of like talk about it with other people. But yeah. Okay. So the eight things. I do. I totally agree with you on the, like starting with the gratitude because, and it's not like, I feel like right now people maybe feel guilty feeling what they're feeling because there's this, there's this hierarchy of who should be feeling worse. Or like if you have COVID, then you get to feel worse than this person. If you're a healthcare worker, you get to feel worse than this person. Um, I feel like that's kind of how we view grief or upset in our country. But I think And so like, I think sometimes gratitude is used in that way where it's like, well, at least, you know what I mean? Like that is how gratitude is used. But I like that here, you're not framing it like, well, at least my life is not blah. It's just like, no, here's what I'm happy for in my life. And then that, that does take away from your, um, not take away. It, it promotes your looking at other people's lives and how it, you know, how they're going compared to yours. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm grateful for this in my life. So that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, And the idea that both things can exist, that I can have negative things in my life and positive. I always thought it was one or the other, like everything's bad or everything's good. And just how can both of those things exist? And so just exercising the gratitude, it's like exercising a muscle. So now I have that muscle. Now it's not, it's a little bit stronger than the muscle that gets me to this spiraling where I just have no control and I'm, I'm happy to go into the darkness, see you all later, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I love that language. And I'll give you a full disclosure. I've noticed myself stealing it and using it with science. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it really is so much easier to say than to do in the moment 
right? When we're feeling triggered, when we're feeling activated, asking someone, we'll just sit down and write a gratitude list can be so hard the first time because of what you've both mentioned, right? Because of the feelings of guilt that sometimes come up when we have, when we try to practice gratitude, oh, well, if I have good things, then I'm not allowed to feel bad, right? Or this idea that life is either all one or all the other. I think that's a very, I think that's also a very American thing. So the idea that you are using this as a muscle in a time of maybe neutrality, right? Or the that you're developing a practice, doing it every single day is so important and so helpful. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the format of having the club meet sort of like every day for a week. Because I don't, I don't know if we mentioned that either. It's a virtual club. It's on uh, like a zoom like thing. It's on zoom actually not zoom like, uh, <laughs> and five days in a row. And there's like other people there. So you can like chat a little bit and talk afterwards, but super quick in the morning. But yeah, like t- tell us a little bit about that process of developing the timeline of it. So when- when I first started developing, it was a, a week, it was a program that you do by yourself and that's still available. I put it towards, we have a VIP program for Keith and the girl. It's kind of like Patreon, but we started it before Patreon existed. So it's just kind of this bonus material. And I put that out in January where you start doing the muscle on your own. So I put it out sort of as a podcast, but behind the paywall, I'm going to work on putting it out as just a, a simple podcast that everybody can download. And for the first week, you um, you wake up and you do your one-minute gratitude every day, and that's it. You're doing it on your own. You listen to one minute of me explaining why, because I want to keep everything short. Because for a one-minute exercise, I don't want to do a 10-minute podcast, because now you hate me, because I hate me. <laughs> so it's, it's just me going like, hey, here's what you're going to get out of it. For this week, every day, just do one minute of gratitude. Then the next week, for this week, every day, do meditation. And it was an eight-week program that you can do on your own. And then I, I developed the, the, the daily meetup because it's like if there's, there's something about community, and it's also, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys know, the, the group mentality, the communal mentality, the idea that you can't live this life on your own. It's just sort of like that accountability club of people are expecting me. I said I would do this, and now there's a place to go. So it's sort of like the graduation program of that initial eight week, but it's turning into you can start there also. So it's me doing it with you so that you can just do it, you know, without like, maybe it's a little less work for you by coming into the program with me helping you. That's how it got developed. It's also me having fun. I love projects and I, I thought, you know, could this work? And it was very nerve wracking. Like, you know, I'm making this up. And when people had, cause I had positive response to it. I assume everybody will. And so when I got the positive response, I, I felt better about it. Yeah. I would imagine that that would be <laughs> a really like vulnerable feeling, right? You literally created this program when you were facing death and extreme heartbreak (laughs) and you're like, this is a helpful tool. And then you're really releasing it out into the world is, was there any part of you 
that was also wondering, will people be able to, to hold me as like both things, right? Like my work on Keith and the girl and me as a comedian, and you're also a singer and, you know, you have all of these incredible credits and this new thing. Yeah, because, you know, we kind of turn on actors when, you know, they decide to have a singing career. We're like, no, 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 you're an actor. You know, I'm very uncomfortable with what you're trying to do right now. I know you as this. I don't know you as that. But if you listen to Keith and the Girl, my I have a, a pretty messed up um, uh, sense of humor. I will go to the dark place and I will laugh at absolutely everything. But I think this is the same. I think that um, it's still my voice. I try to be as as open and honest as possible in my in my humor on Keith and the Girl. And this this is the same. This is me expressing myself again. So I I refuse to decide that I'm just a comic on a podcast because I'm also you know a, a New Yorker. I'm also an Israeli. I'm also you know. A, a girlfriend, uh, whatever, whatever it is, there's like a, a list of things. So the discomfort has to be on somebody else. And I can't really concern myself with that. And part of like, when I, when I thought I was dying, because man, oh my God, the doctors would look at me like I'm dying. <laughs> One doctor didn't look at my x-ray before I came in. And so when he put it in and illuminated it, he went, oh my God. And I was like, mm, Okay. <laughs> consider doing that before I come in. Thank you. And just the horror on these doctors' faces. I was like, okay. And so I thought, you know, I really actually might die. And I said, am I happy with what I did? And um, I looked back and I was, um, I was a singer. I went into comedy. I did these weird things, these things that people consider, you know, um, a hobby or uh, do it on the side, do it in your own time. And I, you know, I lost my parents because of my decisions. They're very unhappy with every move I made. And, and I just kept going because if I kept making my parents happy, I would just live some life that they already wrote out for me. So the decisions that I made, I was happy with. And I was like, you know what? I, I went from being a singer to being a podcaster. I can also go to being this sort of coach that um, just dispenses the information. That's all we're doing on a podcast is going, here's the information that I know. What do you think? You know, and, and why not? Why not? Because there's this, there's this idea that things are too late in your forties. Things are too late in your thirties. And like, when does that happen? Five years later, you're like, it's now too late because I'm still here. So I just don't want to look back and think I didn't want to do that because that's not how people see me. I don't know. Adjust. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you really hit on something. And this is so funny because we actually talked about this in our last or in one of our last episodes, we were talking about commitment. I think as, especially as comedians and, you know, I, I would say even just as people, people have, as comedians, we will commit to comedy hard, but I think we have a hard time committing to earnesty and I think that that is actually a common thing, maybe not just for comedians, for anyone. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't want to get made fun of because I do yoga and I enjoy chanting and I enjoy yes. all my and Like, I don't want to get made fun of for that. I don't want to get made fun of because I use mindfulness tools and people are going to roll their eyes, you know? Um, so I think that that's such a... It takes a lot of strength, especially as a comedian, where any kind of earnesty is truly eye rolled. <laughs> like, 
like, uh, you know what I mean? I feel like it really is. I think it takes a lot of strength to come up with a program like that. But I think that also speaks to how important this was for you and how important um, these tools are when you're in a place of crisis. Cause it's like, okay, well, I don't really care. This, these are things that like really got me through a tough time. I'm going to do this no matter what. And I'm going to talk about it. And I think that those kind of convictions are so important to recognize in ourselves and, and recognize, yeah, recognize like the worth, you know? It's, yeah. it's, all, it's all very similar. It's all just like this vulnerability, this humility, this, um, if, if you notice all the really, really popular comics, they have this, this truth, this like, Hey, I'm kind of a jerk, but here's how I get through it. And here's what's funny about how I'm a weirdo or how I'm different. But, um, my co-host Keith always says, you know, cause when we started this, people weren't, as easy to talk about their tumors and all these taboo subjects, abortion, things like that. And he would say, you know, whatever it is that I'm about to tell you, there is someone out there nodding their head, you know? So it, it, there's no way that you can tell me something that would shock absolutely everybody that no one can relate to. And that's what we learned. The more the more we shared with people, the more people actually just got near us. And that fear of, I'm going to look stupid, okay, I guess I look stupid. I don't want to be embarrassed anymore. Embarrassment is for things that I really do wrong. And so to be embarrassed by something that makes me feel good, I'm done. I can't. And so every time I start being embarrassed, I'm like, wait, is there something to be embarrassed about? No, oming feels so good. That embarrassment is coming from my childhood. It's coming from, you know, people not understanding it, people not ever doing it. We'll just go, nah, that sounds weird. It looks weird. I don't want to do it. I'm trying not to do that. It's, it's weird and awkward, but like, what is weird and awkward? Who cares? Do you want to live an ordinary, you know, non-weird and awkward life? Or do you want to get silly and stupid? Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you said something earlier that I thought was such a, an interesting phrase. And I was thinking of it again, as you were talking about the feeling of embarrassment and how it's often, or sometimes it's either connected to like your childhood or connected to fears about what other people think. And you were saying in the past that you had been helping people gaslight yourself and trying to convince you that everything was fine. What, what did you mean by that phrase? If you remember? Uh, yeah, I, um, I meant that like, just like when I was looking at the Craigslist posts and the emails that were clear to me, I didn't want them to happen. So a lot of my life when it's going bad, it's because I'm not agreeing with the things that's actually going on. So the first thing I try to do is agree that this is happening. There's a lot of people who get cancer and don't go to the doctor because in, in a way you're disagreeing. I don't want this. And if I don't want it, I'm not going to take the action. And then, you know, it doesn't really get better from there. But I understand not going to the doctor. I understand not, you know, hey, let's go to the bummer room. Like, why would I want to do that? So to agree that this is what's happening now is a, a difficult thing. Um, but it's becoming not as difficult. The practice of going, yep, this is happening. This isn't my favorite thing. But if I keep disagreeing with it, I'm going to keep knocking into a wall and trying to get through it. And, and it's going to come out weird because instead of crying, I'm going to lash out somewhere else where it has nothing to do with why I'm upset. So I just have to agree. These are the good things. These are the bad things. 
this is the step that I can take. This is the step that will take more work. Maybe I don't want to do it right this second. I'll do it in a minute or whenever. I'll get help for it or I'll ignore it for now. But I, I, at least I know I'm ignoring it for now and I'm putting a timeline on it so that I don't just put blinders on and hope that it goes away. So that's what I... I, I think, you know, the same way we tell the tragic story, we tell the story of this is not happening as well. And I just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, I think that's so true. <laughs> um, and it's really just living the re- like the, living your truth, <laughs> living the reality of your circumstances. And I feel like that's so common. Yeah, because you just, it's easier not to deal with it. I've been in bad relations, same thing, bad relations before I've been like, oh, but look at all these great things. And like, this is a thing that it's giving me right now. And like, this is a reason that I could stay here. Uh, this is a reason that I should stay in this relationship. But it's like, yeah, you're not really telling yourself the truth. I totally, I totally see what you're saying by that. Um, and I feel yeah. like there's so people who get stuck in situations because they're lying to themselves about it. And yeah, then they implode because they're not really living like the real, like their truth. It's hard. It's hard to say like, this is a mistake to stay here because now I'm going to have to take all this effort to turn my life upside down. Meanwhile, my life is just turning off. So I don't know. Those are your choices. It's the same thing that happened. I busted my leg too. I fell down and <laughs> the bottom bone left the top bone. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the x-ray I'm is... Like, never come near me because I think you are... <laughs> stay around and then the bad luck will just come to you yeah the lightning is hitting me don't worry about it (laughs) But, but that really slows you down in new york it's very hard like i would i would need to transfer train that is right across and i'm like well i'm missing that one okay and i would have to say in my head this is going to take you longer agree to it now or you're <laughs> what are you gonna do run <laughs> so yeah agree to it now or you're just gonna be mad your entire commute you're just gonna be angry the whole time and I'm just like all right this is my speed now I'm not thrilled about it but I can't argue with it or I'm just gonna be in that loop of arguing and getting mad and and being and and starting to feel like why me which is one of the worst things that I can do to myself because why me why not me why not me with the tumor? Why not me with the broken leg? It happens to me. It happens to everybody. I have my fair share and it's, it's all fair. It's fair if I die now. It's fair if I die later. And it's fair if this tumor would have killed me. It's fine. It's, I, I got my chance. I got my fun. I got to, to do things. I got to be here. This, I, I can't want more than that I, because I can't. Because it, you don't get to. That's it. I just agree that I can die and that's going to be good and just celebrate me. Have a good time. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's such a a beautiful turn of phrase, right? Like agree to it now and, and you're getting to agree to it now, right? We're all getting to agree that the pandemic Mm -hmm. happening right now, that we're in a moment of, humongous uncertainty, a lot of civil unrest, a lot of beautiful social movements taking place, a lot of scary, you know, reactions happening to that. But I can relate to that idea of agreeing to it right now, because otherwise the amount of effort that is spent and wasted fighting against it 
Look what's happening out there. The people who don't agree with masks are agree are fighting with the people who agree with the masks. And it's like, well, you can you can say that corona doesn't exist, but then you're going to get it because you're out there. You know what I mean? And I would love to be outside right now. I have an autoimmune disease. Let's pile on. And, uh, which I got with the tumor. Thank you. And, uh, and I really have to quarantine. I have really sincerely been in a studio apartment for this long. And every once in a while I'm like, but maybe I can go camping. No, I can't go camping. It's okay. Blah, blah, blah. And maybe I cry a little bit because you know what? It does suck. I don't have to agree that it's good. I don't have to agree that I like it all the time. I get frustrated. I don't, I don't want to tell you that I could sit here and go, well, I agree. And, um, let's watch Netflix. <laughs> you know, it's, it's frustrating sometimes the, the range of emotion is happening, but I agree that it's not happiness that I always get to feel. There are other feelings. And if I don't allow myself to feel that, that I'm just going to fake the rest the whole time. And that's going to give me another tumor. I'm sure of it. Yeah, God, we, we talk a lot about like, uh, diet culture and, uh, fitness stuff on our, on our podcast. Um, and like one of the things that we talk about a lot is how diets have kind of scientifically been proven to not work long-term. And I feel like when I'm listening to you say this, I'm like, yes, the lying to yourself. I know that if I, if I try and like restrict my food or if I try and, um, exercise purely because I want to lose 15 pounds or whatever. Like I'm going to end up disappointed. And that is a lie that I tell myself constantly. Um, and I'm I think, lot, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lie that I think any, any woman that I've ever met has tells herself that, you know what I mean? That you have 100% control over what your body looks like, or you have 100% control over, I don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Like you have to just accept that yes, when you're here, like you, you don't have as much control over your body as you think you do. Um, and that not accepting that reality is going to lead to things like disordered eating or, um, guilt from eating or guilt from not working out or, you know, and guilt from the guilt and then eating after you feel the guilt and then the cycle continues. And you know what? I'm I'm going to agree to eat right now because I just can't. <laughs> I right. let's reach for it. I want cake. I want pasta. I want sauce. I want just. I just want to sit here and like look disgusting as I shove stuff in my face while <laughs> around and like my hands are full of burger grease. I want that. Mm. And I want to not feel guilty as I eat it, you know, and, and not feel guilty after or tomorrow or whatever, you know, and, and food is one of the harder ones because we just, that's the one that gets shoved in our face a lot. Like from when we were younger, from the ads, from everything, there's no denying it. All the, all the advertising is helping us learn this stuff and all our mothers and our fathers and our, you know, whatever uncles, aunts, everyone, you know, down to like when I was, 12 people, you know, I would go back to Israel for the summer with my family, see my aunt after, you know, a year or two. And she'd be like, Oh, you gained a little weight. And then, and I'm like, hi, nice to see you. Um, speaking Hebrew for you. You're welcome. Um, but I would just, I look now back on the pictures and I go, wow, I was nowhere near fat. I got boobs and a butt. 
So maybe you're confused that I'm not seven anymore, but <laughs> no, <laughs> let's, uh, let's disagree for that one. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Like I'm curious. Cause yeah, we do talk about diet culture a lot and it's very much based in, you know, I think like our points of view, we were both born in America and raised here. And both of our families have been American, uh, like white American for a lot of generations. And, I do think there's something that is very American about the idea of you can have it all. You can change your body. You can be happy all the time, you know, like buy this thing, buy that thing. You know, it's very consumeristic. It's very capitalist. And, and my husband, his, he's originally from El Salvador and he'll, he would say things early on in my relation, in our relationship where it's like, okay, bye. Have a nice day. I'll see you tonight. And he's like, yeah, maybe. If I don't <laughs> die today, I don't know, you know, <laughs> he was like, that's how my family was, you know, just like, yeah, appreciate what you have. Any moment could be bad. And I have, I think, sort of absorbed so many messages that for so many years taught me to reject anything that felt bad and reject a lot of stuff about accept your body as the way it is, I'm wondering as someone, yeah, who was born in Israel and who like has her feet in, you know, different cultures, what, what that was like to navigate. Well, that the old school thinking of a Middle Eastern family is very sexist and that sexism comes with what you're supposed to look like. So it's interesting. I do look Middle Eastern, but these images, like my, my parents would watch TV and go, you know, who let her on TV? And I'm like, we're watching the news. She's telling you the news. Okay. It, you don't like her hair? Okay. Or like, oh, she's so pretty. I'm like, that, and don't worry, you're pretty too. I'm like, oh yeah? Because you just called that woman ugly and she looks more like me than the blonde hair, blue eyed person. Or my mother would come visit from Israel. She, they went back about uh, 10 or so years ago and she came to visit. She woke up in the middle of the night because she has so much energy. So it's like four in the morning and she's making cookies in the kitchen. And I wake up and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm making cookies, but this is not for you. You shouldn't eat this. This is for your friends. I'm like, hi, I pay rent here. Get out. (laughs) Also, I don't like these cookies, but I'm being polite. You want to try that? (laughs) So it's, there is a lot of that. There's, you know, no guy will like you if you speak too loud, if you tell too many jokes, if you laugh like that. There's a lot of those messages because it's very prim and proper. But my mom got married when she was 18, had babies right away. You know, they were very concerned with me when I wasn't like, you know, going on that path. And it's, it's, it's all sort of a similar pressure of what is it like to be a woman in this world and what's the pressures of being a man? You know, they get it too. Uh, they get like man up. What the hell is that supposed to mean? And then we say, we say man up, but also share your feelings with me. And then I'll call you a pussy. That's not fun. That's not interesting. Like, Hey, open this can, make sure you can break things, but also be gentle and kind and peaceful and, you know, never yell at me. I don't know. Like everyone's getting it from left and right. Like, I think that's why we're trying for a more gender neutral life so that you're not telling someone else's story as soon as they are born and on and on constantly. You're supposed to be like this. You're made to be like this. A man's brain works like this. A woman. It, it all exists. Some of that stuff exists. There, there is a difference between a man and a woman, but not necessarily the things that we've already assigned to it. And that's, that's tragic because that does lead to addiction. Every time you 
disagree that your body needs to look like this, you start abusing it. And every time you disagree that, you know, you're good enough for this other person, you find the person that, you know, will treat you like that. Absolutely. It's, it just happens. It, it is, as soon as you tell your brain that this is what's happening, your brain doesn't know the difference. So it makes it happen. I'm not a clean person. Okay. Then we're not cleaning but make me clean. I need motivation. No, you said you're not that person. I'm not going to give you that motivation. No. Yeah. And then I'm going to feel bad about it when I don't do the thing that I just told myself that I don't do, yeah, which is completely <laughs> like, it's truly crazy. But so it's fun. like, yeah, you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up for failure, which I think the thing about the OMAP program, like, um, something that was so simple is the connecting to someone. Cause I'm someone who's constantly feeling guilty. Like, Oh, did I remember to text so-and-so back? And I like, I, I like love keeping on top of my relationships and I'm very like, you know, in it. <laughs> and I think, and you know, and I'm not, I'm always worried that I'm like, um, leaving someone out or whatever. And I think just, yeah, taking that second of, Oh, okay. I'm going to focus on this for just one minute. I'm going to do this for one minute. And then I'm, and then I feel okay about it. And then I don't think I'm not good at keeping up with people. I'm not good at, at connecting with people. Um, cause like, yeah, you can do, and we talk about this a lot cause we do a lot of hit workouts, but you can do anything for 30 seconds. You can do anything for a minute. So yeah, I think the, I guess I think the length of the program is definitely helpful because if you told me like, okay, we're going to connect with people 60 minutes a day for what great, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, girl, see you later. <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's like the little, the little bit, it's, it's definitely a good entry point for people who have never done any kind of like mindful exercises. Um, or yeah, just for people who are kind of looking to, looking for some tool, some coping tools that like aren't going to feel overwhelming. Yeah. Because as it's, as soon as you start the exercise, it's almost over. So there's gotta be, you know, out of eight exercises, there's gotta be one that you like the least. So I like to be like, all right, just, just start it. As soon as you start it, it's pretty much over. So if you can just give me the first 10 seconds, that transit, that's the hardest part. The going like really now, and I got to get my pen and I got to get my paper. I'm going to get on the ground. I gotta, okay. Let's just do it. Don't think about that part or the next part or the other part. This is just what we're doing for this second. And then maybe it's a little less overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, funny you should talk about parts of the OMAT exercises that you do that are maybe your least favorites because now it's time to play a game that's not a game. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to play... Fuck Mary Kill, and we're gonna make it a little, maybe maybe a little challenging, right? So I'm, All right. I'm gonna ask you him to, to choose three of your OMAT, three of the OMAT exercises, <laughs> and then you choose which one would you fuck, which one would you, <laughs> one would you kill. So if you don't kill planks, you're a masochist, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the, the planks are really hard. I know. Um, okay. That is a good challenge. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is I probably want to marry connect, right? Because then I'm always like marriage is an attachment. So if I can keep that connection in a good way, then I'll marry that. Uh, oh, I do want to kill the plank. Oh, I want to murder it every time. (laughs) It's the hardest one, but it does help you fuck. So I'm going to fuck planking. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what do I kill? Can I kill procrastination? Oh, that's huh? tricky. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But say, why are you killing it? Uh, because hopefully that means I'm, I am killing my own procrastination <laughs> oh. and, I'm, and I'm taking action. So that's, oh. that's how I saw it. And oh. I do. Can I? Good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I would, I would marry gratitude, kill plank. We've already established that. <laughs> and I, cause I just keep thinking like the thing that really was helpful for me with all this was like the gratitude, just like sitting and thinking, to oh my god what would I bone mm. <laughs> yeah maybe I would bone connect because you have to you have to connect oh. to bone so. ooh that's a yeah. good boning yeah 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 <laughs> no I see it I feel that <laughs> yeah. yeah I think I would I think I would also fuck plank right because even it's a it's a really good exercise for that activity I would kill oh, killing procrastination that's such a good <laughs> that's such a good trick for this but I, I hacked it <laughs> you totally did I think I would kill maybe I'd kill aerobics at the end that's the last one I normally I really like it in the morning but I, I, sure if I have to kill one I'd kill that um and maybe I would marry mindfulness because I'm really getting into it. And I also think it's really wonderful to approach relationships from a mindful place and a beginner's mindset and really just appreciating your person as they are in that moment, everything that they are in that moment, the good and the bad. I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Hemna, if people want to do this program, where can they find it? How do we find you? Uh, the podcast is at keithandthegirl.com. And if you put in keithandthegirl.com slash OMAT club, O-M-A-T for one minute at a time, club, C-L-U-B, then you get the, the weekly options. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, what's that guy? What's the podcast guy who's like, do everything in 10 minutes and like Tony Robbins? Is that what I'm thinking of? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't get to that one yet. Uh, he's like, he's like, you can like, like master your own life. Like you can do everything in 10 minutes time like that. So I feel like you're like, you're like the lovely alternative to that man. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about this. I don't like being yelled at in my exercise. And I know that some people do. And I appreciate that. You know, that, um, pretend you're in the army while I yell at you exercise. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I'll do it. I'm here. <laughs> you know, just like say nice things. I'm excited. Are you excited? I, I just don't like it. So I like to be gentle in it, even though it's, you know, a plank and you got to do it. I, I can, I, I like to find the balance of, Hey, just two more seconds today in that plank because it all counts. Check mark. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today and for letting us try out your program. And yes, as I just said, if you want to go, go to keepingthegirl.com. You should listen to their podcast too. Um, and I, uh, is there like, do you, can anyone find your singing anywhere? I, cause I now want to 
watch you sing <laughs> or is that like we don't <laughs> no it's it's in there if i'm sure you can google hemda singer i've done um you know reggae bands and uh uh dance stuff and and uh, world music so depending on what you like to do i would i don't i don't even know what to recommend because that i'm a little more shy about but it's out there it's out there. You okay. can find it we'll pretty easily. Talk him yeah. if you want to watch her singing. Um, thank you so much. You've had such an amazing life so far. Can't wait to see what happens to you next. I hope it's all amazing and good things because you don't deserve <laughs> half the shit that happens to you. So, uh, yeah, let's looking forward. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. Thank and you. everybody, until next time, don't forget to keep working it out.